Morning, everyone. Wow, just what a great time of praise and worship this morning. Isn't it amazing just to give God the glory and the honour and the praise that he deserves? He is truly, truly amazing. Well, this morning, we are nearly at the end of our Finding Joy series. If you're a visitor here this morning, or perhaps you haven't been able to join us for the past few weeks, as a church, we've been digging deeper in the book of Philippians, and we've been learning what it really means to live out and experience a life that is centred on joy. And over the past few weeks, we've learned that joy comes from partnering with God. First and foremost, it starts with our relationship with him and working with him. It's a joy that's found despite our circumstances. The fact that no matter what we go through, we have a God who is with us and we can truly be joyful in that. It's a joy that's found in imitating Christ. Jesus is the perfect role model of joy. It's a joy that's found in obedience. None of us really like to be told what to do, but actually when we read the the word of God, when we hear what he's speaking to us about, and we're obedient to that, actually things turn out great. It's a joy that's found in the Lord, in his presence. A man this morning, God is with us. His presence is here. It's a joy that's found in grace. And last week, Steve reminded us that it's a joy that is found in our relationships. Relationships with him and his relationships with each other. Now, the letter of Philippians was written by a guy called Paul in 61 AD. And he's in prison for preaching about Jesus. I'm just so thankful that the same rules don't apply to me today. You know, prison is a time where you're robbed of your joy. You know, you're no longer a free citizen. You don't get to do what you want when you want. You are called a prisoner. What joy is there in that? You know, it's a place where peace is hard to find. You're thrown into a strange environment. You've lost everything that you're, you know, that you're kind of sort of comfortable with. TVs, sofas, cushions. You're often sharing a cell with someone else, cramped in a small space. You know, jail is noisy. You can't be quiet in prison. It is loud. And you become people who have nothing good to focus on. What are prisoners thankful for? What are they joyful for? What do they look forward to? They look forward to their release date and nothing else. What joy is there in that? No one ever says that they're thankful to be in prison. It's just not a joyful place to be. Now Paul, he was a missionary and he loved spending time with people. And as you read his letters, you, you get that experience of joy. You get that passion that he has. 
So how are we, as a church, learning to find joy from someone like Paul, who has been stripped of everything, has been stripped of his joy, because he's accepted Jesus into his life? And that's what's great about Philippians, is that Paul, you know, despite his circumstances, despite losing contact with the people that he spends time with, you know, despite being banged up, he's not phased by what's around him. You know, Paul is truly committed to serving God. He is clearly focused. And Paul is a man who's clearly found joy in knowing Christ. You know, despite what's going on around him. So this week's theme is finding joy in our salvation. And I so love it when the praise and the worship links quite nicely into the preach this morning. You know, church, we can be truly joyful. None of this would be possible if it wasn't for Jesus. And Paul understood that. Follow Jesus and you'd be joyful. And I really hope that over the last few weeks, that this series that we've been going through, this, this Finding Joy series and the book of Philippians has been transforming your life just as much as it's been transforming mine. So, if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to the book of Philippians? And we're reading from Philippians 4. And we're reading verses 4 to 9. So that's Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth. Thank you, Lord, that there is life in your word. Father God, my prayer this morning is that not only I, but we all, Lord, are impacted by what we hear, by what we listen to this morning. Lord, let us be, let us be called by your truth. Let us be impacted this morning by your spirit, I pray. Amen. Cool, amen. So, right from the start, Paul is inviting us to know uh, that God, that what God has revealed to him. You know, it feels like testimony time. 
You know, being in jail, he's obviously got a lot of time to think about and take stock of his own spiritual journey. He declares, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Now, I don't know how you all feel when you read this, but for me, it just doesn't feel like a good time to read this passage. You know, sometimes you can read your Bible and you want to read from, you know, you want to go for like a, a nice, meaty bit of truth. So you pick out Jeremiah 29, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. And you think, yes, that's great, it's brilliant. Or Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You think, yes, do you know what? I can really get behind that. Or John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's so much truth in those. But in this, I think rejoice in the Lord always. I think, Paul, I don't think you really know what you're talking about here. Do you not realise what I've been up, what I've had to go through this morning? You know, don't tell me to rejoice when my kids are screaming. You know, I found Aaron the other day. He picked up a broom and he was casually whacking Shiloh over the head with it. The fact that he gets up at four o'clock in the morning and all he wants to do is, Daddy, play, play. That's not a good time. Don't play at four in the morning. Or the fact that that picture that you've hung up two or three times before on the wall falls down again because you've done some dodgy DIY job. Or when you pick up your new car, like we have just recently, and you go to part exchange your old one, but you realise that you've lost the V5 registration document So you can't part exchange your old car. But in fact, you have to drive two cars. So it's two lots of insurances, it's two lots of tax, it's two lots of petrol. You know, it's one thing to rejoice in the Lord when life is good. But when it's not, what do you do? You know, sometimes we can be a bit guilty of approaching God with a checklist. You know, God, if only Aaron sleeps through... If he sleeps through, I'll have more energy to praise you. I'll get on my knees. I'll praise you harder. And we're almost like when it doesn't happen, God, what's going on? You know, this life that we live is bigger than just a few years that we have on earth. Church, the job that we work is bigger than the money that we earn at the end of the month. And the family that we raise is bigger than just being able to get them out of the house on time. It's doing things as unto the Lord. Church, we need to expose the joy of our salvation. And Paul rejoices because he's a new creation You know, he's been made alive with Christ. He rejoices in this way despite the persecution that he faced and despite being in jail. And we can do the same. 
Church, can you imagine the impact that we'd have on the people around us if we demonstrated a joyful attitude? We'd have so much impact in our work, in our family, in our homes, in the shops. Hey, why not church? Church, we could actually lead people to salvation with a joyful attitude. You know, sorry, exposing the joy of our salvation involves letting our gentleness be evident to all. And I'm not saying that you must show that you're gentle all the time, but actually exposing joy in our salvation or showing our gentleness is the mark of a Christian. It points out to others that there is something different about you. And when things don't go our way, perhaps our circumstances or our situations affect us. And we demonstrate to others that rather than insisting on justice or insisting that these, these situations go our way, we can remember that there's actually something beyond justice, beyond making things go our way. You know, letting our gentleness be evident to all is showing that we are supernaturally different to others. It's knowing who you are in Christ. That's where our identity is. The fact that we are new creations. We have been made alive with Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ will naturally expose the joy of our salvation. So if this morning you're not feeling very joyful, can I urge you, examine yourself. Where is your identity? Is it wrapped up in Christ and all he has done? Because he has done so much for us. We've been singing about it this morning. Or is it wrapped up in our circumstances? Church, we can expose the joy of our salvation. Let's continue. Verses 6 to 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of us came here this morning carrying our worries, carrying our burdens, carrying our stresses, our anxieties? You know, we all have something to worry about, don't we? Jobs, money, health, relationships, diet, our sleep. You know, life is uncertain, isn't it? We don't know what's around the corner. We can't predict what's going to happen. Recently, I had a look online at some stats. One in four people in the UK 
are diagnosed with a mental health problem. And stress and anxiety are the most common. Church, in a world that produces anxiety, we need to experience the peace of our salvation. You know, Paul viewed the sufferings of his life through the lens of divine providence. He knew that if he didn't get his priorities right, anxiety would stalk him for the rest of his life. And he knows, just like we do today, that worry or anxiety is a huge illness that can plague us for the rest of our life. So when Paul covers the issue of worry, he tells us to worry in nothing, not one thing. Verse 6 again, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. You know, Paul is not giving us a command to stop worrying. He's telling Christians, substitute your worry with prayer. It says, every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. You know, church, prayer brings the protection of his peace. And Satan uses anxiety to incapacitate us and keep us in bondage to our fears. We can almost be imprisoned by anxiety. There's this great quote by Max Licardo in his book, Anxious for Nothing. It says, The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. He goes on to write in his book, The news about our anxiety is enough to make us anxious, but there's a prescription for it, and it's called prayer. Church, when we pray, we invite not only his presence, but we invite God's power to come. And by doing that, we will experience the peace of our salvation. Now, we will learn to view bad news through the lens of sovereignty. We'll learn to discern the lies of Satan and tell ourselves the truth. And in doing so, we can manifest a gentleness that is evident to all. Anxiety comes with life, but it doesn't have to. To dominate your life. A few years ago, I was going through a bit of a hard time at work, and I found that I was getting stressed. I found that I was anxious, and I was signed off work for seven weeks. I just could not face going into work. Little things of getting myself dressed in the morning was really hard work for me. There's this great quote by Rick Warren that says, Worry is the warning light that God is really not first in my life. 
at this particular moment. Because worry says that God is not big enough to handle my troubles. And that's where I was. I didn't put God first. I allowed myself to be overcome by my feelings. By my feelings of anxiety, my feelings of stress. Quite simply, just getting dressed in the morning. I was worried about it. I look back now and think, what on earth was I doing? Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33, Set your heart first on God's kingdom and his goodness. And he said that at the end of an entire sermon on worry. So what is the antidote to worry? God, put God first. It's God. found this article online about worry and what happens to our body when we become anxious and stressed and worry. It says, chemicals released during extended periods of worry wreak havoc on our physical being with symptoms ranging from headaches to high blood pressure. Chronic warriors are prone to heart conditions and, as a general rule, are not too much fun to be around. Thus, warriors often experience feelings of loneliness and isolation as individuals flee from their forecasts of doom and gloom. Church, experiencing the peace of our salvation relies on us praying. Praying to God and praying in the God-given authority that we have. Anxiety shows that we lack faith in God. It's a sin. When we're anxious, we're denying our faith in God to provide. Church, we can experience the peace of our salvation. Moving on, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Church, we can express the praise for our salvation. Church, God is unique and he is glorious. He draws our attention and he seeks our praise. You know, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can praise him, can't we? And that is the attitude that Paul had, thanking God for who he is and everything that he has done. God is the source of everything good. Now, don't forget where Paul is. Paul's in prison. He knows that you find joy in expressing your praise to God. And praise and worship helps us to focus on God. That's why we start church with it. It's great. It gets us into that, that frame of mind. 
it gets us focusing on his character rather than our own. Think about such things. That's what Paul says. And a great way to do this is to read your Bible. Just read it and read it and read it. If, like me, perhaps you're not big on reading and all you can read is maybe one or two verses, do that. It's better than reading it, not at all. You know, the more I know about his character and all that he has done, the more I am qualified to praise him. Church, we can express praise of our salvation by meditating and obeying God's word. And Jesus is the perfect example of that. He's a perfect example of demonstrating joy when going through difficult times. We sung this morning about the cross. He went to the cross for us. He gave up his life for us. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Church, this is revolutionary. Jesus counted it a joy to wash us clean of our sins. He counted it a joy to wash us clean by his blood. He's amazing, isn't he? No matter what you're going through, we don't have to look at ourselves either. It's not about my conduct. It's not about our character, but it's about Christ's. It's about Christ's work on the cross. It's not about how I feel, but it's about Christ's promises about what he thinks of us and what he's got planned for us. And it's about Christ's love for us and not our circumstances. Church, I really feel like God is calling us to be a people of genuine joy. A joy in praising him for everything that he has done and not worrying about our future. You know, a church that rejoices in a saviour who is all-powerful, is all-knowing, he's a king above all kings, he's the Lord above all lords, he's great, isn't he? He's worth knowing. It's about changing our attitudes, having that attitude of thankfulness, despite what we're going through. There's a joy in our salvation. We thank God for everything that he's done for us. And when we focus on what he's done for us, we can then look on our situations much better 
much more clearly. You know, when we face redundancy, God is still sovereign. You know, when our illness or our sickness comes back, God is still seated on the throne. When we're feeling anxious or troubled, God gives us the courage. When you're denied not one, but two promotions, God's got plans to prosper you. When your legs are tired from running, (laughs) thank God that you have legs. Church, we can truly, truly be thankful because God has done so much for us. That's what's great about this morning as well, today being Mother's Day. We can take that time to to honour and celebrate that special relationship that we have with our mums. Albeit spiritual mums, personal mums, But let's not forget to give thanks and praise to God, who is the ultimate parent. Church, praise really becomes sweet when we're able to do it in the midst of intense pain. You know, the very thing that we don't feel like doing is exactly what we need to do. I'll have the band back up, please. There's a verse that we're going to be looking at next week. In chapter 4, verse 11, that says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And we can only do this when we think about our salvation, when we take joy in it. Church, it's our choice to rejoice. And we need to respond to that. Now, church, knowing Jesus can lead to a greater experience of joy. A great experience of peace. You know, Jesus is amazing, isn't he? He is amazing. Think about what he has done for you. That's what I loved about this morning. Literally, there was a queue to come up to the mic for people to share their testimonies. Let's have more of that. God is great, isn't he? He's worth knowing. He's worth celebrating. He's worth praising. He is amazing. He's awesome. So church, I want to ask you this morning, are you struggling to rejoice? Do you find it difficult Letting your gentleness be evident to all. What are you anxious about? 
Is giving thanks to God too difficult for you right now? Are you struggling to talk to God? And what's your experience of peace? Church, we need to respond this morning. If you're in that place where you need more of him in your life, where perhaps you want a greater experience of his joy, where you want a greater experience of his salvation, I want to invite you to come up to the front. As we go into worship, let's stand with one another. (coughs) Let's praise him together. We're all going through some difficult times, aren't we? All got different anxieties or different stresses, things that we're worried about. But God, God's powerful. But there's something so great that, you know, about us gathering as a church, uniting with one another, standing with one another, and praying for each other. Why don't we all stand?